Book One, Chapter Seventeen of Clara Vaughan, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Claire. Clara Vaughan, Volume One by R. D. Blackmore. Book One, Chapter Seventeen. When the surgeon came, he pronounced that none of her limbs were broken, but that the shock to the brain and the whole system had been so severe that the only chance of recovery consisted in perfect quiet. She herself said that the question was whether Providence wanted her still to watch over her child. After some days she came downstairs, not without my support, and was propped once more upon her poor sofa. Calm she appeared, and contented, and happy in such sort as of old, but whenever she turned her glance from me, she observed with staring eyes every little thing that moved. Especially she would lie and gaze through the open window at a certain large spider who worked very hard among the woodbine blossoms. One day, in making too bold a cast, he fell, some cord of remembrance was touched, and she swooned away on the couch. In spite of these symptoms, I fondly hoped that she was recovering strength. She even walked out with me once in the sunny afternoon, but this only lasted a very short time. It soon became manifest, even to me, that ere long she would be with my father. Unable to fight any more with this dark perception, I embraced it with a sort of a savage despair, an utter sinking of the heart, which defied God as it sank. This she soon discovered, and I fear that it saddened her end. She was much disappointed, too, that we could not find or thank him who had periled his life for us. None could tell who he was, or what had become of him though the farmer, at our entreaty, searched all the villages round. We were told, indeed, by the landlady of the Red Deer Inn, a lonely public-house near the scene of the accident, that a stranger had come to her in very great haste, and having learned who we were, for she had seen us pass half an hour before, had sent her boy to the farm for some kind of conveyance, while he returned at full speed, to attend those whom he had rescued. It further appeared that this stranger had helped to place us in the cart, and showed the kindest anxiety to lessen the roughness of its motion, himself even leading old Smiler to thwart his propensity to the deepest and hardest ruts. By the time our slow vehicle reached the farm, Mrs. Huxtable was returned from the lower cleave orchard, where she had been smoking the fern-webs, in ignorance of our mishap, and our conductor, seeing us safe in her hands, departed without a word while she, too, flurried and frightened to take much notice of him. Neither could the woman of the inn describe him. She was so amazed, when she heard of the veil on down the girt goyle, as she called our slide of about fifty feet, and for this she quoted the stranger as her authority. Them's the very words as he used, though, just before this, she had stated that he was a foreigner and could not speak English. Knowing that in Devonshire any stranger is called a foreigner, and English means the brogue of the countryside, I did not attach much weight to this declaration. The only remaining witness, the lad who had come with the butt, was too stupid to describe anything except three round O's with his mouth and eyes. But it mattered little about description. I had seen that stranger under circumstances that I could not fail to know him again. On the morrow, and once in the following week, some kind inquiries are made as to our condition by means of slips of paper conveyed by country lads. No name was attached to these, and no information given about the inquirer. 
The bearer of the first missive came from Lynmouth, and of the second from Ilfracombe. Neither lad knew anything, though submitted by Mrs. Huxtable to keen cross-examination, except that he was paid for his errand, and would like some cider, and that the answer was to be written upon the paper he brought. Whether any motive for concealment existed, beside an excess of delicacy, or whether there even was any intentional secrecy, or merely indifference to our gratitude, was more than we could pretend to say. I am not at all inquisitive, not more so, I mean, than other women, but I need not confess that my curiosity, to say nothing of better feelings, was piqued a little by this uncommon reserve. So now, beside the engrossing search for my deadly enemy, I had to seek out another, my brave and noble friend. End of Book One, Chapter Seventeen Recording by Claire